Hi, and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. Explain for everybody what they can kind of expect in those first couple days and weeks post-op. What does that feel like? What does that look like? What is normal to expect? What is not normal to expect in those, those early days? So keeping in mind, I've never had a tummy tuck myself. That being said, abdominoplasty post-op, first couple days, we actually tell you to walk bent over. So you have to hinge at the waist. So if you don't have strong back, strong pelvic floor, we often give patients, we give them narcotic pain medicine, usually oxycodone. We usually don't use NSAIDs, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen because they affect our platelets and how we clot our blood. Some surgeons will give that to them afterwards. We sometimes will use long-acting anesthetics in the muscle so you can get like a block that will last so you feel a little bit better. But I find sometimes people do too much then so they can hurt themselves. So it's it's a kind of a double-edged sword. But many patients, I think it helps them get through the recovery better. So we we offer that to patients. And then you're walking hunched over for a couple of days and then you slowly stand up, but we need you to move around because we don't want you to get blood clots in your legs. Um, d- deep vein thrombosis is a, is a problem after any, any surgery, especially if people are on like hormonal birth controls and things like that. We worry about those things. Um, some surgeons give patients blood thinners after surgery. And that's something you could ask about. Um, do you give patients um, something that will help combat clotting? But the thing is, the alternative to that is then you're, you could possibly have bleeding or bruising or right. Know, yeah. So it's it's that's a conversation each individual has to have with their provider. And then the pain along the incision usually doesn't hurt too bad because it's kind of numb and below the belly button, like where the new belly button hole is. People are often kind of numb or feel numb. And then the drain tubes hurt. People hate drains. Patients are like, do I have to have drain tubes? And I'm like, no one comes in asking for them, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) they're important. They get real mad when I won't take them out. We like have, there's some patients that like, I felt like they're going to punch me (laughs) because they're like, what do you mean? They don't come out. I'm like, they're still too high. You can't take them out. And then you know, icing, heating, a lot of that can be tricky because your sensation isn't normal. So I tell patients to be really careful with that. Usually it is very dependent patient to patient. So I see them fairly often, but around three to four weeks, we can start like working around the scar a little bit with scar massage. So I talk to patients about that. I'd love like a PT resource for that. I think like having a pictorial handout would be super helpful because I just kind of talk to them about it. And then when there's yeah, six to eight weeks <laughs> out, um, we start to talk about like scar care. So like silicone strips or more aggressive massage, that sort of stuff. But that being said, everybody's timeline is a little different because like if someone is, has more subcutaneous fat, so their wound is like deeper and thicker, or if they have like wound separation, which is really common after a surgery like this, think how much tension is on that incision. If we can keep the tension down, the incisions will heal thinner and flatter. If you have a wound, your, your wound day zero is when the wound is closed. So it takes longer to heal afterwards. 
And then wearing compression garments is huge. So wearing something that's going to give you support so you can feel like you can move around, but also that will help with that kind of like you guys talked about with like perineal garments and pressure and compression, making sure that you're wearing something that's not too tight, but is snug enough that provides you with that support is going to be huge. And then, you know, resting, not doing stuff too early. I mean, moms and women are notorious for that, not giving themselves the time. And we talked about this yesterday is a lot of people who have young kids, like if you don't have childcare for your kid for two to three weeks, don't do it. Don't go get your tummy tuck unless you have somebody who can, and lifting your kid into the car seat is too much. Mm -hmm. So lifting your kid out of the crib, even if they're little, like a little infant to like feed them at night or something like that, don't do it because you're going to affect your result and you can hurt yourself. Like, it's just not worth it. Wait till you have a time where you can have that help. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. And I don't get too involved with that because I've had patients who get all like, but I do tell them like, no lifting your kid for three to four weeks. And they go, what? And I'm like, if someone puts it on your lap, sure. But if they're a squirmy toddler, absolutely not. No. I think another good resource is um, a lymphatic drainage therapist. Yep. Absolutely. I haven't found a good one in the cities, so I've been on the hunt. So if anybody wants to message me about (laughs) that, I will take one. And do you prescribe laxatives or talk about like keeping regular Mm -hmm. bowel movements like while they're on our I give all my patients either Coles or Senna hot afterwards. Um, I, those can be pretty aggressive for some people. Coles is pretty, isn't too bad. Otherwise Miralax or, and I know Miralax is kind of polarized for some people. I usually keep them on, tell them to take it at least while they're taking their narcotic. We try to get them off their narcotics as quickly as possible um, and getting them over to something else. Some patients don't use much at all. I don't know if they're just like, Badass bitches or what, (laughs) but, um, and then other patients, they real, they really struggle. And I think that's just person person. dependent people like, Oh, is this, how bad is this going to be? I'm like, roll the dice. Mm. Like, I don't know. (laughs) But out of, out of all the surgeries you do, this one's probably like a true abdominal plasty is probably one of the most painful. I can't imagine having hip to hip incision and being constipated and trying to poop no no bueno yeah like you need to like brace that so much and I think you know it's just like postpartum is like if you know what to expect and you're anticipating and you have strategies to support you I think sometimes that perception of damage or the perception of pain is different because you feel prepared but when there isn't really a lot of resources available for people who are recovering post tummy tuck it's again it's kind of like postpartum where you're like oh my gosh, I'm the only person who's experienced this pain of pooping and like, like what well, is this? Anxiety makes it worse yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Well, and, and so like, the PT, a PT can play a important role, even like, you know, a week or two in just doing breathing. So mm-hmm. getting the ribs, like starting to move a little bit and that will help pain and regulating the nervous system. I, cause I started working, I think she was two weeks after her tummy tuck with mm-hmm. a client and it, it made a huge difference just laying on your side and, you know, having your hand overhead or even out and just well, breathing with like sleeping positions, yeah. like, or yeah. just, yeah. To, and I think if someone is stopped, if someone also has like other symptoms, like you have other pelvic floor symptoms, what, mm-hmm. whatever that is, if you have a care, established care with someone, even if it's remotely beforehand, they kind of can know what your level of function or dysfunction is before surgery would be super helpful. 
traditionally people in the plastic surgery world don't refer patients to pelvic floor PT before abdominoplasty. Do I think it's a good idea? Yes, I do. And I do send some of my patients. I don't, um, depending on what their concerns are. If it's purely cosmetic, then I don't always, maybe I should, but if they do have any of those things and I do ask about incontinence and whatnot, even just, you know, mild, mild stress incontinence. Cause I say, you know, afterwards, if we tighten everything up and increase your intra-abdominal pressure, you may want to work with somebody on this. And some patients take me up on it and some don't, and some are fine and some aren't. So, mm-hmm. and sometimes after surgery, especially if your bladder doesn't wake up from anesthesia quite right, people will have incontinence and sometimes patients freak out or they can't pee and they end up with a catheter. Yeah. Retention. Mm -hmm. So that's not abnormal, especially sometimes patients go home with a urinary catheter and they have to go see the urologist a few days after they come into our clinic and I take it out. Well, and then learning how to properly void after the catheter comes out can prevent infection and prevent all sorts of other things Mm -hmm. like that. And is the bladder not waking up just part of the anesthesia, like the neurologic yeah, part of the bladder? Yeah, it can be multifactorial. Most times it's just like Ooh. if they have paralytic or like it's getting that muscle to relax and so that you can. Well, and I, yeah. It. And I think if you're, the incision runs like right in front of your bladder, like your bladder is right. So it's behind yeah, incision that. muscle bladder if yeah. you have some behind swelling. your pubic bone really mm-hmm. and then but the, even if you don't have abdominal surgery like say we mm-hmm. do a rhinoplasty on you we don't do those very often how about we do an eyelid surgery especially in older patients mm-hmm. especially men but in anyone you can have it where you can't pee after surgery so regardless of where your incisions are that can happen interesting oh, i wonder why it's especially in men on tightness maybe like after being on like a breathing machine maybe i'm sure are. there's a physiologic like explanation why each person gets it but it's like if they had um sometimes it's like, like just traditional retention so they have they have prostatic like prostate hypertrophy so then they have to give them like full max and things to help them most times it resolves on its own within a couple of days, not a urology specialist. So I think I missed that day in school. I just know that it happens and that there's things that we can do. And the biggest thing is, is you don't let someone leave if they can't pee from this, especially from this surgery, because you go home and then it's like 10 o'clock at night. And you're like, I still haven't peed. Usually though, we give people so much, you know, IV fluids, fluids and they wake up and they're like, I gotta go. So we are like, sweet. See you later. Like after, you know, you're all recovered, they can go. But I do have some patients that stay a little longer in recovery because they can't pee. So that would be good to include on like a handout or something like, well, even like breathing exercises to help to you relax. Pee. Kind of like after you have a baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Going to the bathroom, squatty potty, like breathing with going to the bathroom. Yeah. Having the conversation, even just that that's a possibility so that people aren't like, my God, I, something's wrong with me. Yeah. Something is wrong, but there's things we can do about it. We got you. Anything, any other questions that you have, Addie? Not off the top of my head. That was really informative. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. If you have any other questions or comments or concerns about um, diastasis recti repair, abdominal plasty, yeah, let us know. We'd love to hear if you've had an experience with surgery, whatnot. Oh, I follow her podcast for like Instagram tips. She's like an influencer. She's like a social media influencer. And she, I think she was on like Beach body, like really involved with Beach Body way back in the day. Anyway, she just had, I think like she called it like a mini tummy tuck in a breast lift at the same time. And she went to fancy plastic surgeon in California. Mm-hmm. And she said that she had bad vibes every appointment and like 
didn't listen to her gut, didn't listen to her gut. And her surgery has been healing fine. But like she is like exposing the surgeon for like basically like sexual assault, like not sexual assault, but like she was like specifically like, I don't want to be photographed nude. I want to be draped appropriately. Mm -hmm. And then like, oh, like he did he post her on social media, but like not her page? head. No, 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 but I don't think so. So it would, it would be like there was no female nurse in the room. There's three male providers came in, asked me to get completely naked, making comments about my body. Like because um, hmm. it was like this, the vibe of like the California. Yeah, uh, the, like, we're going to fix you. Yeah, oh, you're going to look so hot. Like, oh, do you want to add this? like before she's going into surgery being like oh we could lipo this do you think oh your butt looks kind of square should we do a butt lift too and like oh, it's just so, important consent yeah so you shouldn't be changing your surgery on the day yeah, of surgery so she's like going through this big expose like expo- she hasn't said his name but people are saying it but because- it's good educational information like yeah. you want to feel comfortable not just with the surgeon but with the team so whether it's a nurse a pa uh, nurse practitioner, whoever else is in the office, um, you should meet those people beforehand, not just the surgeon. And I try to meet all of our patients before surgery. Sometimes it doesn't happen just based on our schedules, but, you know, making people just feel comfortable and feel heard and stuff after surgery. And if you don't feel heard after surgery and you have a concern, you know, voice it. And then if you're still not getting what you need, call another surgeon's office. I mean, I get calls and sometimes we can see patients and sometimes we can't just based on our schedule. But if I can, and someone's really struggling, like I try to figure out how to fit them in so that at least I can reassure them that no, they're right. Like there's nothing that we need to do right now or no, like that's, we need to time out. Let's figure out what's wrong and figure out how to fix you. Yeah. So that's, that's really important. And then also if you ever get a gut feeling, listen to your gut. Like if something doesn't seem right, even if you've signed up, even if you've paid for part of your surgery, and something doesn't seem right, time out, pause, like don't go ahead with it because yeah. your healing will depend on it. Like your mental state and how you feel about the operation. We always joke in surgery, the operation is as only as good as the dressing afterwards because, and it's only as good as the scar. It's only as good as, you know, but it isn't. But at the same time, like mentally, what you see, what you perceive, what you know, if it's not what you're hoping for or what you expect, then you need to say Yeah. Back. So one of her big complaints and she switched care post-op was because they had this like foam wrap oh, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't, Top of foam they wouldn't foam. like replace it. And mm-hmm. it was like two weeks later and it was disgusting and it was oh. dirty and bloody and pussy and, and well, it's just drainage. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they were like, you get one, you don't get another oh, one. I'm sure she could have paid for it. And one. yes, so it was like a whole thing, but I think it was a control thing. And it was like about, like we're in charge, you're See, our- and sometimes it's the other way where people like want something and you're asking for something and you have to listen the other way too. If the surgeon says, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Or the PA says, I don't think that's a good idea. They're saying it for a reason. And you can ask why, but you know, I always joke that surgery, even if it's cosmetic, isn't ordering a pizza. Like you can't just come in and say, I want anchovies. I want pepperoni. I want this. It's Let's talk about what's best for you. And that might not be what you want or what you want to hear, but I'm going to be honest with you when you come in. I'm not going to just blow smoke up your ass Mm -hmm. and tell you what you want to hear either. Even in the recovery period, like you're doing too much. I can tell. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not doing anything. I can tell. Like, I don't, whatever you're doing, 
scale it back. And I, I'm nice to people. I'm kind. I listen, but I don't sugarcoat stuff when it comes to like recovery and listening to instructions and that sort of thing. So in some cases that can be tricky because maybe there's a reason, maybe there's antimicrobial properties on that foam and stuff, but that's the education component. If they don't have that available to the patient, then that can be, that can be tricky too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do your research. Yeah. Feel informed, yeah. trust your gut and know that there's support and there's options. Mm -hmm. And so if any of you out there that are considering or that have gone through it, there's some good, like Brianna Battles talks about her abdominal plasty on her Brave Be Brave podcast, I think it's called. Mm. Brianna Battles. Um, I love um, Melissa from Mommy Berries. Mommy Berries just got, she's a PT. She's a PT. She just had one on her Instagram. She's detailing like, all of her recovery process. And she, I think she also has a podcast called the, we'll link it in the show notes, pelvic health project or something like that, um, where she talks about her experience with abdominoplasty and, and how she chose her surgeon and all the things that she went through um, making that choice. You know, just like listening to birth stories is really important before you have a baby, listening to surgical stories and hearing the good and the bad and the ugly. And, and so that you are familiar with all the language and the terminology is is invaluable and always know the pictures they show you are always their best photos they're not going to show you stuff <laughs> that goes wrong one and two if someone in their before picture looks nothing like you you will not look like them mm, afterwards that's good so it's a good advice. find someone who looks like you in a before photo and if you they don't have one and some offices don't have lookbooks for legal reasons depending on which practice they work at um, we don't have a lookbook right now. That being said, I have resources that they can look at. Like I try to find a photo of someone who looks like them now and looks like them after just so they can have an idea. Because I think sometimes our brain thinks this is going to fix whatever I don't like. Yeah. I'm going right. to look like X person, but I don't, my frame doesn't even begin to look like that. Well, and also like really figure out what surgery the person had. There's extent there. I mean, there's, you can get an around the world tummy tuck that goes all the way around. I mean, there's like, we just went through like the basics. There's like a million different other things that you can have done to look however you want to look. And if you're willing to pay enough money, and that's the thing too, is, is you kind of get what you pay for and it costs a lot. Like so how expensive. much? Yeah. So like what, not every, every clinic is going to be different, yep. but like, what would you say is an approximate cost for in, a regular tummy in tuck? the Midwest, like Minneapolis area for a tummy? It's tuck. like 8,000 ish, 85. It really just depends on like how much skin you have to remove, how, you know, it depends on OR time. It depends on surgical time. It depends, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, private offices sometimes can do it a little cheaper because they don't have the overhead of the OR. Whereas where I work, we do it at a surgery center, which has set costs. I can't change those. So, um, and it also depends too, if you have part of the procedure covered by insurance, it'll be cheaper. You know, there's, there's a lot of nuance with cost. That being said, you know, you can get it cheap. You could get a $5,000 tummy tuck. I wouldn't recommend it. You could also get a $20,000 tummy tuck. So it just depends on you know, it's, it's value. And it's, but I think the big thing is, is like, don't go with the cheapest unless you really connect with them, but don't go with the cheapest and don't go with the most expensive. There's probably somewhere in the middle that most moms can fall. And for some people, the functional improvement will be so great that it's worth, you know, debt and things like that. But I don't know, that's a personal opinion. I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into debt 
to have this procedure done myself. But that being said, some people will. Well, and I think you also have to consider the costs of being out of work and, and mm-hmm. not being able to mm-hmm. care for It's children. not just the cost of surgery. And, you know, there's, there's cost beyond the cost of, of just the surgery itself. Awesome. Cool. Oh, um, thank you. So I appreciate you guys looking at it and, you know, not poo-pooing plastic surgeons no, and things like that. No, Cause yeah. I think it's a team, it's a whole team. And I just, I think it's an option for many people. Um, and I think it is a good option despite, you know, all of the risks, but yeah. you need to be informed. We just want to appreciate it. We want to be there to support people through, yeah, through big life things. And, and, it, um, I'm sure, you know, people don't go into these types of things lightly and, and shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank well, you. Cool. Well, know your bush. Love your bush. Love the bush you love. You can communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment, and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. (laughs) And our music is provided by Blockhead. Addie, how's your constipation? So I... I don't get it. I don't get it because I've never had an issue with constipation, like ever, not after birth, not like ever, even after surgeries. And it'll be almost two weeks on Thursday. I just woke up one day and I felt so like it wasn't in my intestines. It was my stomach. Like my stomach felt like heavy and I've lost my appetite the last few weeks. And I don't know how much of that is emotional, but like I did the magnesium and it helped the next day kind of more diarrhea. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm actually getting this out. Like, I don't know. Maybe like an Epsom salt bath. Cause that's magnesium, but like absorbing from the outside. Like I've done my breathing. I've done like trying to do ab work. What water are you drinking? (laughs) Not enough. That's what I would do. I do a gallon a day. Oh, it's so, it makes me feel so bad. Especially when it's hot there. I've been on the, yeah. the coffee to wine schedule lately. <laughs> like I, I need to use Free the coffee wand. all day until dinner time. Until wine. So you can sleep at night. Oh no. So I haven't like craved coffee. <laughs> I love coffee. I haven't even really been able to drink coffee because everything like just turns me off. You feel like you're like, going to throw up? A little bit of nausea, but like, and it'll kind of fluctuate. It's not tender and like, but my energy levels are off. Are you pre premenstrual? I'm going to get my period period? next week, but this was like right around ovulation where it started. Hmm. Cause I thought about that too. I get constipated right before I get my period. I don't really get a period because I have an IED, but like like when I know and like my tailbone hurts and stuff, but I also get it like up here too. And especially if I'm stressed. And then I take mag, I take ZMA, which is magnesium, zinc, and B6 every night. And that seems, it helps me sleep. I sleep like a freaking baby. And it seems to help with that. Around those times, though, I usually will take like something something else, like 
either I'll take like a stool softener or I'll take that, but you have to be careful. Cause then sometimes you get backed up. And then like the other day I was like, Oh, I feel terrible. And then I was like, Running to the bathroom yeah. in Target yeah. without my yeah. kids, thank God. <laughs> yeah. And you're gonna shit your pants like 10% of people after I, they have kids. Oh God, I'm so worried. I've never full on shit my pants, but postpartum I would have like oh, oh my god. So <laughs> that's what it started like. Especially if you do like a real gross poop. I well, Ash gave me permission to share this story. So um it was around that time when it started. When we were talking about okay. that. Okay. Did we talk about were the you were nervous milk? about shitting your pants and you just clenched your balloon knot? So a couple a couple days before the constipation, which I think is constipation. I'm not even 100 percent sure because I'm still pooping every day, but it's not like a good poop. You know what I mean? So I drank. We didn't have any milk in the house. So I was making a protein shake and I used coconut milk. Maybe you like have an allergy maybe to the coconut protein or something. It, it gave me the shits like bad. Like I was down and out. I had to take a nap and then I got up and like just pure diarrhea and like, like sharded. And then like it was like bad. So then, then Ash, and I think we kind of had a stomach bug too. Ash, the next couple of days, he came in because he was giving me all kinds of crap. Like, you sharded? I'm like, shut up. So he came back and he was like, you're never going to believe this. And I was like, what? He's like, I totally sharded. <laughs> what is going on? I don't, I've never asked anyone this, but like, how much, like, when you say sharded, like, like any how amount. much any amount like Hershey kiss because that can make a real mess no no I not know. like if you it's took like a little wet like, like was it like little if you took like a melted candy bar and like wiped it, wiped it? yeah <laughs> like that any like amount is too much but that's terrible <laughs> he had like a stomach you were at home though right you weren't out in public yeah, yeah. but it was just like a weird we've had weird like GI issues going on over here I don't know. Maybe it is the, the coconut milk bad. Maybe it could it actually, it could have been because it's, it was in the fridge for a week. And that'll that mess long? you up for a while too. Like if it's not really? getting better, if you had like gastroenteritis, like, maybe, you know, it can screw you up for like a couple weeks. Do you take okay. probiotic? Cause that'd be a good option too. I mean, I, like, I do like kombucha and kimchi and mm-hmm. wheat, stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe it is the coconut milk. Cause that was like two days one or two days before it started i'm always like searching well, for why i'm I, having bowel issues well i feel like sometimes when you have like aggressive diarrhea your system is trying to reabsorb more water mm-hmm. again so it's saying like i'm dehydrated i need to suck all the fluid out of this like this food that i'm eating so definitely getting on the water may help mm-hmm. i agree because yeah. then it's like then you're holding on because it's like well i don't know if i'm gonna get diarrhea again so i need this i need this hydration yeah, it's a weird. I hope it goes away <laughs> like soon because it it just makes me feel not energetic. You know, I'm just feeling like just lead. Yeah, I'm just like I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. I've never had it before. That's but, good luck to you. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> oh yeah. Updated. Good times. Good times. I like doing yeah. this. This is fun. I'll come back anytime. <laughs> that's what I, told, that's what I was saying. I was like, if I could do this as my job, like if I could sit and talk about stuff as my job, like 100%, I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's super fun. <laughs>